Good evening. This is Talking Sports with Evan. I am Evan Witalison, of course, your host um, for this show. And I want to thank you for watching or listening, however you are tuning in, either the video live cast or watch the video later or on the podcasts that are going to be out tomorrow anywhere podcasts are found. Lots to talk about today, lots to discuss, lots to go over. It's been a busy sports weekend as the Badger football team failed to win the Axe back after losing it last year in Minneapolis. They did not win it back this year in Minnesota. And to a lot of people's surprise, they make their decision and their choice for their new head football coach. And surprisingly to a lot of people, it did not go to Jim Leonard. It went to uh, Luke Fickle, which I will talk about Luke Fickle and that decision a little later on in the show. The Packers lose to the Philadelphia Eagles. 40 to 33 in a game that I said it was going to be. Well, I know on Facebook I posted the day of the game and I thought the Packers are going to win, but it, I, I said in the show last week, I think the game was going to be a lot closer than most people thought it ended up being close. Um, Packers had a chance to pull it off in the end. And uh, we saw the Jordan love um, get some opportunity as Rogers left the game with uh, bruised ribs or injured ribs. Most most likely bruised ribs if he passed all the scans to come back, you know, to be ready to play this week. Obviously, nothing is broken if Rodgers is willing to play. And for those watching or listening, I want to get your thoughts. Should Aaron Rodgers play the rest of the season or should they sit him, let him get healthy? And should they play Jordan Love? Should they play Jordan Love the rest of the season? So Rodgers broken thumb, uh, which... Well, we'll likely end up needing surgery, um, depending on who you're asking. Rogers, of course, stating that that's news to him. Uh, it hasn't been discussed to him that way on what's wrong with the thumb. But if the if it's the injury that Ian Rappaport talked about, um, where it's more of a fracture and the tendon is off the bone, going to need surgery to repair that. And the question is, uh, should Rogers sit the rest of the year, get the surgery now? So he has the whole off season starting from now. He has the from now to through the whole off season to get back healthy, get back a hundred percent. Or is it beneficial for Aaron Rodgers to continue to play quarterback for the Green Bay Packers? Because technically, they're not mathematically eliminated from the playoffs just yet. So if you're watching live, should the Packers sit Rodgers? If you're Listening, and you want to comment, talk uh, at Evan Witt Sports. Uh, you can tweet at me, or you can email the show, talking sports with Evan at gmail.com. And let me know should the Packers sit Aaron Rodgers the remainder of the year so he, they, he can focus right now getting healthy. WWE Survivor Series took place, one of their big events. Uh, I don't watch a ton anymore, but I do like watching their big events like Survivor, Survivor Series and WrestleMania and that. And Survivor Series was this week. And to me, it was a really good show. And I enjoyed it a lot. And uh, Chris Middleton is coming back. Likely tomorrow. If you're watching this live, it's Thursday, December 1st. 
Middleton likely coming back Friday, December 2nd to take on the Lakers. And I'm excited for that. And again, big thank you to Justin Garcia last week for coming on and talking some Milwaukee Bucks with me. Uh, it was a fun conversation and uh, greatly appreciated. So going to jump right to the Green Bay, I'm sorry, right to the Wisconsin Badgers and then the Green Bay Packers. So Luke Fickle gets the job and great hire overall. I like it. Um, you know, Chris McIntosh had his options to go many different directions. And the thing is, Chris, Chris McIntosh could have went the safe route. And the safe route would have been giving it to Jim Leonard. And when I say safe route, I know Luke Fickle is a proven winning head coach. But hear me out really quick. When I'm talking the safe route, I'm talking about the fact that Jim Leonard is well-liked, well-respected by the boosters, by the players, by the fans, by the administration. If they gave the job to Jim Leonard, it's basically going to be fine with everybody. It's a safe route. It's going to be, oh, cool, it's a great story. Jim Leonard, head coach, wow, you know, and we all know a story. Walk on from a tiny town here in Wisconsin, walked on to the football team, went undrafted in the NFL draft, uh, played 10 years in the NFL for the Jets, the, the the Ravens, to name a couple teams. And then he went from defensive backs coach after one year to defensive coordinator. And Leonard's been a very good defensive coordinator since taking over for Dave Aranda, who left to go to LSU. So giving the job to Leonard would have been safe. It wouldn't have been risk. There's some risk to it. I don't want to say it's risk-free, but I'm talking about the backlash that he would get for making the decision. He doesn't get any backlash giving the job to Leonard. Leonard's well liked um, by everybody, and it was you know he got put in a tough situation after Paul Chris got let go. I don't know how many people could have been successful in that situation. Um, you you get you fire a longtime coach in year you know in the middle of the year and then you promote Leonard to be the interim the rest of the way and the thing is Leonard couldn't make wholesale changes because this isn't the NFL this is college and you are pretty much stuck with who you have and that includes Graham Mertz because we saw what Chase Wolf did when he came in against Minnesota after Mertz left the final drive hurt I know Wolf is coming in ice cold. But we all saw what Chase Wolf did. He didn't know the offense. He wasn't on the same page with the receivers. The offensive line and him, I don't think, were on the same page. And the Badgers still got to the five-yard line. But then you had a holding penalty, a false start penalty, a false start penalty, a false start penalty before you finally were able to run a play. And then you do a two-yard out route or a three-yard out route and then have to make a harder pass into the end zone after you had a couple bad passes that didn't even get anywhere near the end zone. It went well over the back of the end zone. Wolf put the last one in a position that was impossible to catch as well. So we saw on that final drive why Chase Wolf was not, when he got healthy, was not in the game. And then the other quarterback, they wanted to preserve his red shirt because they think he has a high upside to potentially compete for the starting job, if not next year, the year after. Well, I know all that's out the window now because now the Badgers have a new coach. But what I'm trying to get at, 
offensively, there is literally nothing Leonard really could have done differently to try to secure that job because you had you, you had the personnel who you have. You have the offensive playbook with what you have. The offensive line was not very good. Bra- Braylon Allen in and out of the lineup, second year in a row with injuries. And I'm going to talk about Braylon Allen in a moment on if I think running back moving forward will be his best position going into next season. And I'm going to get to that in a second because he was originally not recruited to be a running back at Wisconsin. He's recruited to be a linebacker safety type player. And then he switched to running back after what he did his second uh, in the uh, spring COVID season that they had. But as I mentioned, Chris, Chris McIntosh could have went the, the quote unquote safe route by giving it to Leonard and everyone would have applauded it. Everyone would have been happy. I should say most people would have been happy and most people would have understood and got it on why he got the job over anybody else. But McIntosh decided he didn't want to play it safe. He wanted to go for a home run hire. He reached out and he hired the probably the best name in the coaching market that possibly was available in Luke Fickle. And Luke Fickle's a winner. He played for in the college football playoff last year at Cincinnati. And getting to the college football playoff from a group of five school is almost impossible. You have to go undefeated two years in a row in order to be considered for the college football playoffs. And he had to have everything go right in order to get to the college football playoffs. He had to go, like I said, he had to go undefeated. If they lose any game last year, they don't go. If they don't win enough, if they don't blow out a team by a a high enough score, Cincinnati doesn't go to the college football playoff last year. He had to have pretty much a perfect storm in order to get to the college football playoffs. And he did. And he's shown that he's a winner. He at Cincinnati was outstanding as the head football coach. He was there from 2017 to 2022. And he had a year as an interim coach at Ohio state. And he went, he's gone 62 and 24 as a head football coach. Two and three in bowls, and he's 0-1 in the college football playoffs. He has two AAC championships and one AAC East Division championship. So he's been he was the 2021 Home Depot Coach of the Year, 2021 AFCA Coach of the Year, Sporting News Coach of the Year, Bobby Dodd Coach of the Year, Eddie Robinson Coach of the Year, Paul Bear Bryant Award, three-time AAC Coach of the Year. 2018, 2020, and 2021. And he was the AFCA assistant coach of the year back in 2010. There's a lot of great articles recently at The Athletic talking about the hire. Jesse Temple, who's been on this show before, had a great article talking to Jim Trestle and other people who have been around Luke Fickle um, during his career as an assistant coach as he's climbed that ladder. He didn't get the job after his year as an interim. So he had to, you know, he could have left the staff at one time to do something else. And he stayed on though for five years, kind of a similar situation to Leonard. Leonard got the interim job, didn't get the head job. And I don't think Leonard sticks around, but you never know. He may, he, he, he might stick around and decide to 
can try to do something special here at Wisconsin and go back to focusing strictly on running the defense. He might. I don't know. But Luke Fickle is a great candidate for the job. He's a good recruiter. He His big messages coming out of his press conference was he wants to build what Wisconsin pretty much already has, and he doesn't have to build. He doesn't have to rebuild anything. Wisconsin has a very solid foundation that Barry Alvarez originally put together over 30, about 30 years ago, back when he uh, won his first Rose Bowl in 92, or the 93. Anyways, he wants to establish a culture built on trust, respect, and love. And he wants to build the team, I, I, I would say, the right way. He doesn't want to be one of these guys, you know, Luke uh, Lincoln Riley over in USC, who brings in a ton of guys from the transfer portal. He wants, he'll, he'll use the transfer portal. He, as he talked about at his press conference, he'll use it. If it's the right fit, he's not going to go explode into the transfer portal and try to bring in a bunch of guys unless he needs to fill some gaps or it's the right fit, the right situation. So there's probably a bunch of guys who played for him at Cincinnati, a few players that may want to come join him. So those are guys he's probably going to bring on. Because why? Because now you got some help trying to teach your system to the the guys that stick around for the Badgers. And it's unfortunate to to uh, Leonard. I would have liked to, I would have been fine with him getting the head job. But I I like the choice of Luke Fitko. And he's from all intents and purposes from everything I've read about him from writers from Ohio, writers from Wisconsin. He seems like a stand-up guy, and he could have left. There were a lot of open jobs last year, Oklahoma, USC, to name a couple. And he stayed because he had Cincinnati in the college football playoffs, and he didn't want to leave like that. To me, that shows integrity, and you don't see it a lot in college football these days. Guys who leave at a drop of a hat. Lincoln Riley, boom, left, went to USC. It happens. And, I, you know, I'm not saying Lincoln Riley's a sleazy guy or whatever. He did what he felt was best for him. But you don't see that loyalty that Luke Fickle showed Cincinnati by staying to play in the college football playoffs. And he wants to bring that college, that, that culture. He wants to raise, raise the ceiling for this Badger football program. And he wants to talk about winning championships. Not, you know, obviously you need to win the Big Ten championship to be considered for the college football playoff right now. In a couple of years, it's expanding to 12 teams, so it'll be a lot easier for Wisconsin to get in. But Luke Ficka wants to win championships. Not talking about Big, Big Ten West championships. He's talking about national champions. And I think Luke Ficka's the guy that understands the Midwest. He understands the Big Ten. And I think he's going to understand the limitations and the difficulties it is recruiting at Wisconsin. Something when the when the Badgers went outside the family the last time when they hired Gary Anderson, Gary Anderson did not understand the Midwest. Now, yes, you want to recruit at a national level, but the foundation, the the base of your team you're going to look for, as he put it, guys in that 300-mile radius around your around your city. Gary Anderson alienated a lot of guys in the state of Wisconsin, a lot of, uh, of coaches in the state of Wisconsin. And he, he burned a lot of bridges, and it took Paul Christ a while to rebuild. 
Now Luke Fickle needs to reestablish those relationships. But he's gone into Pennsylvania. He's gone into Ohio, into Michigan, into Georgia, into Maryland when he was at Ohio State and then at Cincinnati. And he was able to build those relationships. And he's a relationship builder. And you have to be that in college football. And I think he he has demonstrated time and time again just exactly how he can be a relationship builder. And I'm excited to see that in the recruiting department. But and one of my one of my buddies, uh, Scott and I get into this debate all the time. Um, last year and this year, the Badgers really dropped the ball in recruiting. And part of that was they lost the recruiting coordinator to Michigan State, and Paul Chris didn't fill it for several times. They had they had three straight years where they got better in recruiting, topping off at third in the Big Ten and 16th in the country in 2021. And that's great. And you can build off of that. But unfortunately, Paul Chris never built off of that. He 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 didn't re, you know, he he uh he let the recruiting coordinator go. He didn't refill the position for several months. And he he didn't build off of that. So that is one mistake to Paul Chris made. I I heard I read a story and heard a story, another article from Jesse Jesse, uh, Jesse Temple in the Athletic that there was a four-star linebacker recruit that wanted to come to Wisconsin that showed up for a game and nobody knew he was there and nobody knew who he was. The recruiting department didn't know who the hell he was or that he was on campus that day. He goes to Michigan. Now guess what? He's going to get to play for the college football playoff, assuming they beat Purdue this week. And that's a four-star linebacker that definitely could have helped. But nope, they dropped the ball and he goes away. That was Paul Chris doing, and that was ultimately one of the many reasons why Chris Chris McIntosh made that tough decision following the Illinois loss that it was time to move on. I trust Luke Fickle in rebuilding those relationships and rebuilding, um, like opening up those communication that kind of fell through after there was some shuffling around in that department. They had a chance to continue to build off of the 16th ranked class in the country, but instead they completely dropped the ball. And the biggest thing Luke Fickle needs to do better than Paul Chris did, and that is player development. And he, recruiting-wise, he's bringing two of his guys with him from Cincinnati to assist in the recruiting piece for Wisconsin. He's also bringing in his strength and conditioning guy from Cincinnati to help with the player development because the player development at Wisconsin the last couple years, last like basically 2019, 2020, 2021, and this year has not been good. You know, 2018, 2019, 2020, 2021, you brought in decent classes. You brought in a really good class in 2021, but none of them have developed. Guys have left. Guys haven't performed. Guys have struggled to find the field. Guys have struggled with injuries. Graham Mertz is a perfect example in class of what I think it was 2019 as a guy that never developed. He had all the arm talent in the world, but he couldn't develop. And Paul Chris was supposed to be a quarterback guy. He was supposed to be a quarterback guru. Look what Scott Tolzien did under him. Russell Wilson had a really good year under him in Wisconsin. But, but, Graham Mertz never developed. 
And that's ultimately what cost Paul Christ his job because if Graham Mertz comes in and is the deal, real deal, if he's the quarterback that we saw in um, against Illinois in his first career, his first start, if that's the Graham Mertz that we see throughout it, you know, these last three years, Paul Christ still has a job, and the Badgers likely play in the college football playoffs because of that, but. Grammar's never developed. And again, that felt fell on Paul Chris. So Luke Fickle needs to do a much better job at player development if he wants to be successful. I think he's going to be successful. Everything I've read, everything I've looked into right now, looks like he's going to be successful. And building off of trust, respect, and love are three great pillars to start building back up the Wisconsin program that looked back in, I think it was 2019 or 2018 when they won the uh, the Orange Bowl and it looked like they're on the trajectory going up. They've bottomed out, I think, and now it's time to bring it back up. So great hire. I like it. I like Fickle. Disappointed Leonard didn't get the job. Will he stay? I'm not a betting man, and it's probably a good thing I'm not because – most of my money would be lost. <laughs> but if I was a betting man, I don't think Jim Leonard stays right now. I think it all depends on how the coaching market looks for him. But maybe he takes an NFL coordinator job. Maybe he takes a coordinator job at another school. Maybe he takes a head coaching job at a, a MAC conference or AAC school and get some head coaching experience there. I don't know, but I would, I would be happy to see him back in Wisconsin as the defensive coordinator in the 2023 big Badger football season. Moving on. Packers lose to the Eagles. And the Eagles are a solid football team. I'm not going to get too upset. They lost to the Eagles 40 to 33, but it's the thing that upsets me and I just said, I'm not going to get upset, but yes, I will get upset. Actually, the thing that really upsets me in the loss to the Eagles is AJ Dillon, a couple of things. One of them, AJ Dillon, eight carries for 64 yards and a touchdown. He is carving up that defense. Why does he only get eight carries? Aaron Jones, 12 for 43 for 3.6. I get Aaron Jones as one of your top playmakers running the football. But with how good Dylan was running in that game, keep feeding Dylan. They were struggling to stop him. Keep giving him the ball. Jones, Aaron Jones had three catches for, catches for 56 yards and a touchdown. Fine. Use Aaron Jones more in the passing game against Philly. But when it came to running the football, Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon should have ran the ball a heck of a lot more than eight times with how well he was running. But they didn't. That was one big issue. The other issue, this defense is bad. This defense is supposed to be the strength of the team. This defense is supposed to be the strength of the team until the offense started getting better playing with one another. But this defense has been bad. I mean, bad. And Kingsley uh, Inglebarry, Great addition to this team. Great find in uh, whatever. I think it was the fourth or fifth round they found him in. Justin Hollins signed off the street. 
um, from the acclaimed off waivers from the Rams. He came through with the sack and he played pretty well. But they couldn't stop the run if their life depended on it. Dean Lowry had an awful game. Kenny Clark had an awful game. And a guy who's been playing much, much better um, by one of the better defenders for the Packers the last several weeks, Quay Walker, did not have a good game. And I think part of the reason Quay Walker didn't have a good game is because Dean Lowry, TJ Slayton, and Kenny Clark did not have a good game. If the defensive line played better, then the linebackers play better. Kind of hard to be a linebacker and go try to find the football when you have an offensive lineman in your face almost as soon as the ball snaps. And I get the Eagles' offensive line is really good. I understand that. But Kenny Clark's supposed to be freaking almost Aaron Donald good. He's supposed to be the all-pro defensive tackle for the Packers. He played awful. I don't understand why Dean Lowry's still on this team. I know he had a good season last year, but he's been so inconsistent, and he plays bad more than he plays good. Jonathan Ford, uh, otherwise Rudy Ford had a pretty good game at safety, but Adrian Amos, I mean, yeah, safety, but otherwise Adrian Amos didn't feel good, didn't feel well at the safety position. Um, and the thing that really bugs me, why do you have to play your corner so far off the ball every almost every single snap? You have you have Jair Alexander, who's a pretty good solid cover corner. You have him playing 10, 15, 7 to 10 to 15 yards off the ball almost every time. That's stupid. And that falls on Joe Barry. And I know. The floor didn't want to put all the blame on Joe Barry because he thinks the calls are fine. He thinks it's more the execution on the field. But it's a combination of things. It's the execution on the field. It's guys not doing their job, but it's also guys not doing the job because I don't think they have trust in Joe Barry. They've they've stopped paying attention to him. They've stopped listening to him. They're free, pretty much freelancing out there. Defense has to be 11 players playing together, playing within the scheme, and the Packers seem like 11 guys doing whatever the hell they want. Almost every other play on defense. That's a problem. And you can point the finger at the players all you want, which the players do deserve blame. But the reason they're doing that is the coaching. It's because they don't trust and believe in Joe Barry. I, I kind of wish Jair Alexander would say, screw the 10, 15 yards off the ball. I'm going to get in this guy's freaking face and I'm going to freaking punch him in the mouth and reroute him. That's what I would do at this point. But the, the, the rushes are basic. The blitzes are predictable. The coverage is a lot of very soft zone. And a quarterback like Jalen Hurts, you have to play zone. But you also have to do pressure. You also have to... Make dif- make it difficult for the wide receivers. And the Packers have not been doing that this season. And they especially did not do it in Philadelphia. And I, I wish Joe Barry could get fired today. But unfortunately, it's not going to happen. He's not going to lose his job until the end of the season. And we, we're going to have to deal with Joe Barry on the sidelines, not knowing what the hell he's doing more often than not. And I know a lot of people want to point the finger at Matt LaFleur and say it's him, he's too loyal to Joe Barry, he needs to let Joe Barry go now. 
I don't think it's Matt LaFleur. Matt LaFleur is no dummy. You know, he, in his press conferences, he's very politically correct. He's going to say the right things. He's not going to throw his coaches or he's not going to throw his players under the bus for the most part. He's going to say the right things. He's going to say what he thinks is the right things. He's not going to say Joe Barry sucks and I want to get rid of him in a press conference if he can't get rid of him. Because what happens if he says, well, yeah, Joe Barry's a big problem. I want to move on from him. And I think it's Mark Murphy. I think Mark Murphy. I don't think Mark Murphy wants to pay Joe Barry to go away. He's going to have to pay Joe Barry if he's if he's on the staff or not. He likely is done with his contract at the end of the year. I know most of the time these guys sign uh, two-year contracts. So maybe that's the issue there is this would be Joe Barry's last year of his contract and he will probably not be renewed and Joe Barry will be relieved of his duties after the final game of the year. I think that could be, I think that's more of what's going on than just Matt LaFleur has become a complete and utter moron. Um, that's just my thought. I could be wrong, but I think Mark Murphy's a big problem with the way the coaching staff is right now. I think that's why Drayton stayed until um, the end of the year. I think that's why Joe Barry has not moved on yet. I think it's Mark Murphy because, you know, he, he has final say in everything. Everybody answers to him. The buck stops with Mark Murphy. I think it has to do with the coaching staff too. I don't think... I don't think Matt LaFleur has full say on his coaching decisions. I think Murphy has to finalize and determine if he can do that or not. And I don't think Murphy is letting him get rid of Joe Barry at this point. The Packers typically have not moved on from coaches in season. Mike McCarthy, I think, was the first. I think Mike McCarthy was the first time they have moved on from a coach in the season. But if you're not willing to get rid of him in season, then LaFleur needs to have somebody else be the play caller. Take the play calling duties away from Barry, give it to Gray, give it to whoever, and let them call the defense and see if it makes any changes. But doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results is a sign of lunacy, and it needs us change. And unfortunately, I don't see it happening this season. Next year, again, maybe. But Packer-Bear week, I think the Packers beat the Bears. Rodgers is going to play. Fields was a full participant today in practice. It's going to be Rodgers versus Fields. I think the Packers win. The Bears are beat up, too. A lot of injuries. They lost their best receiver now for the rest of the year. They lost Eddie Jackson for the year. I think the Packers end up getting this victory um, against the Bears. And it's probably going to be by a couple touchdowns, and it's going to look like everything's all hunky-dory after this week. But I think the Packers get to win. So finally, final thing to talk about, survival, Survivor Series, if I can talk. Apparently I can't today. But WWE Survivor Series. And Triple H took over creative um, over the summer when Vince McMahon was first suspended or relieved of his duties, and then retired. Um, And I think Triple H is doing a great job. And I think Survivor Series was just awesome. And I think incorporating the old 
WCW War Games, which NXT started doing a few years a few years back. I think incorporating the War Games into Survivor Series was great. They didn't have the brand versus brand. They didn't have the traditional five versus five or four versus four because there's really no reason for those at this point. They had two war game matches, two double rings, cage around the ring, and the official action doesn't start until the last participant gets in the cage. And I think they did overall a great job the Ronda Rousey match was probably the worst match of the night because Ronda Rousey looked completely bored in that match. Excuse me. And she's your women's champion. And she looked completely bored in that match. Rollins, Lashley, Theory, great match. Um, Styles and Balor lived up to the hype. And then the two um, cage matches, the two War Games matches were just great matches. I like the direction that WWE is currently going in with Triple H now running the creative side of things. He is letting people develop their character. He's not scripting every every um, promo and all that. And he's letting guys be themselves. And that's been huge, I think. The one thing I kind of didn't like is how they kind of completely tore down um, Austin Theory, before they put the uh, U.S. title on him, that'd be the one thing I don't like. So with that said, Talking Sports with Evan will be back next week. I will potentially be switching to a twice-a-week show moving forward as I, so I can talk even more sports with you. Appreciate the comments, the criticism, whatever else you say regarding my show. I appreciate it, and I appreciate you watching, appreciate you listening. Hope you have a great rest of your night, and I will get back at you next week, as I always have, as I've been saying all season, which hasn't happened a lot because it's not been a good year for the Packers. Hopefully, talking about a Green Bay Packer victory. Good night, everybody.